today, a little bit looking at our culture and friendship in our culture. And then we're going to have Jesus looking at Jesus, how he showed friendship, how he lived and was friends to those around us. Then we're going to look at our own personal experience of that. What's it mean that Jesus says, I have called you friends? And then we're going to finish with friendship on the front line um, and why that's really important for us as Christians. So this is only really a brief, like a mini-series, um, but I think we're going to have a really good time discussing some things. So I've got a question for us. This isn't, you don't have to discuss this on your tables, just shout it out to me. What percentage of the UK do you think have no close friends? Hi. 40, 30. It's quite high, 40, isn't it? Yeah. Well, maybe maybe um, it's their definition of close friends. So the, the answer is, this is according to a YouGov poll, 20% of people have. So in 2019, 2021, YouGov did this survey basically around friendship in the, in the UK. And 20% of the average British adult has no close friends. Yeah. And 10% of people have no friends at all. It's really sad. Yeah, so we'll look at that later. We'll kind of define what that means in the survey. 12% um, have only one close friend. 51% find it hard making friends. And the thing is, this isn't just a UK thing. It's actually the same thing in the West, basically. So it's not just a UK. It's a Western problem. Um, Australia, America, Europe, we have this problem now of making friends. Um, and I think we have to differentiate between being alone and loneliness. Because being alone isn't loneliness. Um, we should be able to be alone and not feel like we need someone to come and sit with us. Um, it's good, you know, Adam was alone, wasn't he, initially? It's he, but he wasn't, he was with God. So, but loneliness is different isn't it you know you can be in a crowded room and feel lonely like it's different isn't it um so throughout the bible i'm sure when i talk about friendship you're probably thinking oh yeah there's, there's examples in the bible isn't there and i think initially of david and jonathan if you've read that those stories of just really close friendship in tough times always there for one another and mary and martha you think of those friends jesus cries doesn't even lazarus dies there's that close sort of friendship connection. Um, and so we're not going to look at all these examples, but we just know that friendship seems to be important in the Bible for accomplishing like God's will, God's purposes. He works through friends. Um, but actually, forget about the Bible for a second. Let's just look at God. Um, he is a person in relationship, isn't he? relationality of God. Friendship is actually, we're made for it. We are made for friendship. Um, and we reflect God. And friendship's good for us. So look at these friends, stock image of friendship. <laughs> <laughs> well, copyright free this. It's natural. It wasn't a shoot, photo shoot. Um, a couple of years ago, Harvard University conducted an 80-year long survey called the Adult Human Wellbeing Survey. 
um, and they published their findings recently. And this is what it concluded. I found it's really interesting. So this is the key to longevity and happiness in life. They said it's not based on your IQ level. It's not based on your social status. It's not based on how much money you have or how much you earn or you save. It's not based on your genetics. It's not based on where you live. It's not based on how big your house is. They said that the greatest key to longevity and happiness in life is your social relationships, i.e. friendships. So that's interesting, isn't it? Because that says that you can be really poor, you can have nothing, but if you've got strong social relationships, you have more happiness and longevity in life. Um, but the bad news is, as we looked at with the YouGov <laughs> results, another lonely man <laughs> image, uh, we don't have, we're not reaping the benefits of friendship at the moment in our culture. Um, we're not reaping the benefits. And my second question for you is, I have three questions. My second question is, what factors have caused the decline of friendship in, in the West? So maybe have a conversation about that in your table for a couple of minutes. Um, what are the things that have led us to where we are? Right, I'm going to go around the tables now and get some of your amazing points. So we'll start over here then. With King Harkness. Harkness. Elliot had a really good idea. Well, we kind of spoke about a few different areas, but one thing we spoke about, I guess it, if you're going back quite a bit, was... It was, we had a big shift in kind of our social makeup with industrialization of people leaving their, their parishes and close communities and all coming in a big mishmash to these big centers that became cities. And, and what it led to, you, we had quite fragmented different communities that weren't always had one central meeting place that would tie them together. Um, and we're saying when we've come across um, other cultures I work with a lot of people who are Pakistani British. They have quite tight cultures that are still very much like that, or I've seen it sometimes in some working class communities who are very much still geographically in the same area and haven't necessarily moved out of that. Um, but I think in terms of that migration of, of people and how much we migrate even 10, 20 minutes down the road, it's still a, a sizable difference to, to change that. Um, my point was um, we've become very individualistic and um, if we think that life revolves around us and all these things in my life are to make me happy, then maybe a so-called friend becomes, um, becomes part of that. And if that person is not fulfilling my happiness at the time, I'm talking generally, by the way, I'm not talking about me personally. Thank you. Um, <laughs> then... Um, then maybe we might end up, you know, right cutting off that person because they don't like. Oh well, our interests don't align anymore, so they they don't really have a part in my life. And I think there's only so many times you can cut people off before you've got nobody else to cut off. If that makes sense. Yeah, you just reminded me of cancel culture, which is now is like a thing, you know. 
you don't agree with someone on Twitter or Instagram, just cancel them, basically. Remove them from your life. But should you really remove people from your life that might have different opinions to you? Because then you're just creating this, like, circle, echo chamber of everything you believe and it doesn't really help. Great stuff. We talked about, what did we talk about? We talked about social media and about the access to information. So historically, if you wanted to know something, you'd knock on somebody's door and you'd ask them, or you'd go to the library and you'd ask the librarian, or you would go to the pharmacy and you would ask them about the pharmacist, how they could heal you, instead of going on the internet and asking Dr. Google. Um, so because we have this access to this information, you can kind of live on your own because you don't need anybody else to, to answer, you know, your MP, you don't even have to go and like talk to your MP because it's on social media. So because you can live on your own, you choose to live on your own. You don't need to surround yourself with, you can shop on your own. You don't need to go to like, where do you go to buy clothes? Well, you just click on a button and it arrives at your door three hours later. Whereas historically you would have had to go and interact with people. So we talked about that. We also talked about, um, migration and how it's a really positive thing but actually not everybody sees it as positive um so people are find it really hard to interact with some people we should say find it really hard to interact with people who have different linguistic backgrounds different um, racial backgrounds different faith backgrounds so they end up kind of living alone and choosing to live on, on their own and not looking for positive intercultural relationships so that makes it makes it very can mean that your friends friendship group ends up quite small because you're choosing not to step out of your comfort zone. And Seth also said the world's just more toxic these days. So because the world is just more toxic, um, yeah. Thing and what did you? What was yours? Oh, good. I'm not going to go to you guys because you've already said all the answers. So. <laughs> Basically, you've all said all the answers which mo I think that's everything. I mean, so where I'm getting all my information from, there's three great resources I want to highlight. So you might have heard of the LICC, the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity. They're great. I think we should use more of their resources. Um, Friendship Lab uh, are good. And then w uh, uh, some Wisdom, oh wait, Wisdom Hub and Friendship Lab, two different things. But these are Christian organizations that kind of explore culture and friendship and um, really good. So you've all kind of said the things that I've got down here. So social media is one of the factors. It's good. Social media is not all bad, is it? It's good for creating friends. Um, you know, Matt and Gemma, did you meet online? Yeah, see, it's not that bad. Online friendships do have some positive, but mainly I think there's a lot of negative that comes from it, isn't there? Matthew said individualism, that's correct. So now, just more than ever, we're more kind of inwardly focused rather than outwardly. Um, toxic, this language again, polarization, especially they reckon since 2016, politically, the world's become more polarized. So then that means less relational. Um, and local community memberships are just generally in, in decline, you know, not just church communities but from like your boy scouts to like whatever youth centers just yeah gone right here are four main reasons which rachel said <laughs> it's like she's been reading my notes N number one is busyness we are too busy uh, to make friends that's kind of what we say isn't it um 
And so it's not that people often say, well, you know, social skills, if you lack them, that's why you don't have any friends. Well, actually, that's not the main contributing factor to not having friends. Busyness is, you know, we're so busy. I don't even need to talk about that. Second thing is mobility. So we move around more. I was thinking of my next-door neighbour, Bella. She's 92. She's lived there for 60-something years. Um, knows people all down there. Knows everyone in, it, in, in that part of Edgeley. We kind of move around. We move cities. We move countries. Um, and therefore, what happens is you literally cut yourself from family and friend ties. Um, and so Elliot kind of picked up on some of that as well. Um, workplace changes. One third of us lost friendships after COVID, after the pandemic. And people have said that's because of remote working. Um, but interestingly, there's another argument for that. People say that remote working has actually enabled people to have more energy to make friends outside of work. So not just going into the office to make friends, um, but generally, the, the general consensus is people have lost friends because of remote working. That's the general, the facts are there. Um, but uh, people generally make friends in their workplaces. So going into physical gatherings are probably one of the prime ways we're going to make friends. And then the finally is just neglect. As a culture, we do not really value friendship. We value lots of things like everyone. When's Valentine's Day? Yes, we know that, don't we? When's Friendship Day? There is a yes. There is a Friendship Day, and interestingly, um, on our third week, it's Friendship Day. Our third preaching uh, series. So the thirtieth of July is a World Friendship Day. So you should know this. Well, basically, we don't, we don't, yeah, we clearly don't know it because we don't value it necessarily. Um, we're getting there. So um, what is a friend and how many can we really have? Um, I think that our definition of friendship is really broad, isn't it? You know, your colleagues at work or wherever, they're not necessarily your friends. You might, might think they are. Your Facebook friends, they're not necessarily your friends. You might think they are. Your dog, I know, I'm sorry, I love dogs, but your dog's not really your friend. I know it's, your be I know it's a man's best friend, but <laughs> like when we start to define friendship in a moment, if, that, if, yeah, if, that is, uh, if that's there, it's there. So um, there are a couple of things that kind of make friendship uh, what it is, and, and, and one of those is freedom. So... Basically, friendship should be free from any financial or material needs and any sense of like being forced in the same place. I was chatting to someone a couple of months ago and they said, oh, I don't work at that place anymore. And I was, um, I was shocked that none of my colleagues talked to me anymore. I thought we were friends. And because he was like taken from his workplace, I mean, I was kind of like, well, they were your colleagues, weren't your friends? And I think people retire, don't they? And they have no friends. And they're like, I thought I had loads of friends. No, you had lots of colleagues. Um, because one of the keys of good friendship is freedom in the sense that you should want to be together. You shouldn't be forced or have that kind of shared space that you're made to be like friends. You should just want to be voluntary friends. Um, and some other points as well. Equality. Friends should be equal in the sense of 
Um, you cannot be friends with someone if you're not on the equal level to them, and, and you're both aware of this. So if, I don't know, say you're friends with a celebrity, it might not always work. Um, another thing is mutuality. Friendship has to be reciprocal. So give and receive, not take, take, take. Here's a definition of friendship by Friendship Lab. A friend is someone I can talk to, depend on, grow with, and enjoy. And people often say, how many friends can I have? Has everyone heard, anyone heard of this, Dunbar's number? It was new to me when I uh, discovered it. But um, Robin Dunbar was a British anthropologist, and he uh, sort of proposed that we can have 150 cognitive friends. So not like friend friends, but like in our minds we can have, um, yeah, 150. But um, I think research now shows, that advanced research as in today shows that I think six, for like three to six very close friends is probably, if you're talking about like deep emotional support, um, three to six is probably like the max, you know, that area. Um, having up to 10 to 15 intimate friends in your wider circle is still viewed kind of like as a normal range maybe. But um, yeah. Um, and then we're going to finish now with a final bit of questions. And I'm just obviously setting the scene for our next couple of weeks coming up. But we talked about this in Connect. So we don't have to spend loads of time on the first question. What makes a good friends? Could talk about it and connect. But I just want to end with this last one. Do you find making friends easy, difficult, or impossible? And has this always been the case at school? Or has this become an issue now in your life? So let's spend a couple of minutes talking about that, maybe focusing on the second question just because of time. Um, and then we'll, uh, we'll end. Thanks, everyone, for, the, for today. Thanks for the conversation. So we're going to look forward to exploring this a little bit more the next three weeks.